All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Thursday. It's November 19th. I'm Doug Norian. Over there is James Davis. And we are coming at you for week 11, game by game, breaking down the whole main slate here on FanDuel and DraftKings. Coming off the NBA draft last night, which was a wild and wacky time for yours truly in Locked On Nets. By the way, if you, if you want a basketball podcast, go over to Locked On Nets. That's where myself and Adam Armbrecht are breaking down the Nets. Just going to shameless, shameless plug here. I'm not going to pay for it. I own this podcast as well, so I can advertise whatever I want. Um, so just be, I know you're going to make a joke or something like that. So I'm just I don't getting, know why you're getting all randomly well, defensive about it. Well, because like, I know you're going to make a joke. I, you were going to say something I wasn't about making, it. I wasn't even paying attention. <laughs> with you, I was just waiting to say my name. <laughs> right, I think I already did that, actually. Did you already say your name? I can't remember. Okay. Yeah, can. um, anyway, Locked on Nets. Go check that out. So <laughs> we are going to break down week 11 here. Have a little bit of injury news already in that's going to shift Um, Some of what we talked about with the cash game podcast yesterday. So we'll get to that. Got a couple bets I want to throw out here uh, that I like. This week is actually a little tighter than it has been in other weeks. Um, Our against the spread model, which we've been working on in the background here. I think we're going to maybe hopefully come out with it next year that we can just push it out to fans. But um, I think it was like nine and three against the spread. Nine, three and one because of the crazy Houston push, but uh, against the spread last week. And uh, the article was uh, two, oh, and one. Uh, so I'll go through some bets there, uh, but all in all, shaping up to be a nice little week. Any uh, any overarching thoughts about this week? Or you just want to get started? Uh, I think we could probably get get into it. I will say the one piece of news. Maybe we can just start with this game, the Detroit Carolina game. But uh, McCaffrey has been ruled out since yeah. we discussed things yesterday. So obviously he's not in cash consideration. But also I don't think Mike Davis is either. Uh, Davis was a chalk option last week. The price kind of skyrocketed. We have been tempted at Davis at this price point in the past, but and I granted last week was a tough matchup and a tough game script and all of the rest, but I think there are enough cheap options that he's relegated to big tournaments for me. Yeah, I think so too. So I think we when we talked about McCaffrey and Cook yesterday, it now just becomes Cook, and I just feel like he's going to be the he's going to be the chalk option and just yeah. away you go. All right, let's get into this thing. First game is the Eagles and Browns. Uh, so let's start with the Eagles. Carson Wentz stinks. So that's uh, we can get that piece out of the way. Uh, I think the dreams of, I, I, I don't know, I was kind of thinking that the Giants thing could be a, a turnaround game. Uh, he just, I don't know, and maybe the stats are there too. Uh, watching him is absolutely terrible. The guy takes every worst sack in the world. I don't know. The Eagles fans have to be disappointed. Anyway, that's my Eagles thoughts. And then on the Brown side, we have Nick Chubb comes back. And they do, this, this is the best ever. Nick Chubb comes back and Kareem Hunt just gets like as many carries as he's gotten in any other week when Nick Chubb wasn't around. So Nick so Nick Chubb had 19 <laughs> carries last week and Kareem Hunt had 19 carries. I know the wind and stuff was terrible there, so they had to run yeah. the ball a lot. But it was it's, it is hilarious how it's like no no Nick Chubb. Let's just get on the Kareem Hunt train. And he's like okay, but then I don't know. Was that his most carries <laughs> since Nick Chubb got hurt? It had to be close, right? <laughs> so um, uh, let me look. Yes, no, he had a twenty carry game against Indy. Right. Most. So Nick Chubb 20, was twenty three overall opportunities. Yeah, Nick Chubb was out like six weeks. <laughs> so like <laughs> this is this is yeah. amazing. He comes back and he gets the most carries. They both get over a hundred yards in rushing. Uh, anything to see in this game? I have no interest in the passing game almost from either team. But maybe you can talk me into something. Yeah, I mean, Austin Hooper, I guess, is kind of in that big group of crappy tight ends. You can consider his targets were doing pretty well before last week's wind game. Uh, I don't know, Jarvis Landry, is he outrageously bad play? He's 5,900 now. Again, a guy who was seeing decent target share before the windy game last week. And, you know, no Beckham could mean something. But, I mean, none of these guys are cash game plays. But I, I think 
Landry especially could be in big tournament consideration. Yeah, yeah. Philly is 21st in DVOA against the pass, so they are getting an upgrade here. But we've just seen it time and time again. The Browns don't want to throw the ball a lot. Now they have both guys back. And I look, I know that last week was a crazy weather game, and they're not gonna they're not projected to run the ball 38 times a game. So I'm I'm aware of this. Right. But they are a team that likes to run the ball more than other teams. And I mean Baker might only have one or two games a season where he has more than 30 pass attempts. This is not something that they do. So um, in general, it's a good, it's a decent matchup, but it's just not, not all that fantasy viable, especially with Chubb back. And then you get the Eagles who I just don't know what the plan is here. Like Miles Sanders comes back. He's pretty, he's been really pretty effective every time he's touched the ball. They don't seem to want to give him the ball a lot. I mean, he did touch the ball. Let's see at eh, 20 times last game. I don't know. Is that enough for you to see something here against Cleveland who doesn't play all that? I mean, they play a pretty slow pace just to start because of the run stuff. But what are your thoughts here on uh, on Philly? Yeah, I mean, I'm a believer in Sanders for, like, season-long leagues. I just think he's overpriced. I mean, the guy's topped 100 yards once this season. (laughs) So, on the ground, anyway. I guess he has some combined games uh, that went over that. At 7,700, yeah, the touchdowns. He got three touchdowns on the year. Obviously, he missed some time. But I'm, I don't know. I just can't imagine playing 7,700 for him in a week where I'm going to have to go up to potentially 10-5 for Cook. Uh, I just don't think you can afford both. So I definitely don't want to prioritize trying to middle out this week. It really does not seem like a week to middle out running backs. Like I'd always rather have, say, Cook and McKissick rather than Sanders and Mike Davis, right? Like that seems like an absolute no-brainer. So I just can't imagine him making the cut. Yeah, uh, that's kind of where I land too. Just have no faith in the offense. I just don't really have faith in like what their plan is in general. And they're underdogs here, so I don't think we need to – I don't think we need to like talk ourselves into anything. I was just going to check on um, the bets here on this one real quick as I cycle over. This is good podcasting. I might have to just get back to this one because I didn't have this. Um, this one I had a pretty much as a push. If you really want to squint to see it, you can, uh, you can lay three and a half for Cleveland. Next game we have is Falcons and Saints. And the big news here, obviously, is Drew Brees. Drew Brees had his entire chest collapse uh, in last game. Big broke every rib. The, the lung collapse. I it, it's a total mess. I you know you feel bad for this guy. He's been around forever. I, it's I, I guess he's going to come back from it at some point. It's not going to be this week. So we that we know for sure. What we don't know for sure is who is the starting quarterback for the Saints. Jameis came in and played last week. They have Taysom Hill. It feels like it has to be Jameis, like from a throwing perspective. It's a little weird that they haven't made the announcement at this point. But, I mean, we just have to assume it's Jameis maybe with a little more Taysom Hill sprinkled in there. Does that feel correct? I, like, yeah, I, say I it because they'll bring Taysom Hill in those you know, play-action packages and things like that. I, I don't think he'll be absent from the field, even if Jameis' name is starting. So where do we land on Jameis, though? Because this, this one thing that's interesting about this is, this total is still pretty high. Like the the Saints have yeah. a 20, 28 or twenty eight point total here uh, against a Falcons defense that's kind of given it up this season. Jameis is fifty nine hundred on DraftKings. Let me just check the Fanduel price yeah, here. Seventy two hundred on Fanduel. Seven. That's pretty cheap for a quarterback that we've seen in the past. Like is at least we've played him at more than this. I just got to say it. <laughs> yeah. We played him in cash with, games with yeah with like with worse we- with, with on a worse team with worse weapons, right? Like and like, probably for pretty good, pretty good weapons, but yeah, I'd say like Kamara is a big difference maker here where he never had that checkdown running back he could dump it off to. I don't know, man. It's you'd have to think their strategy would be to not let Jameis beat them. New Orleans that is. Um, and that being said, it's a it's a low price point for a guy who could throw for 300 yards a game right like this is not he's not like a one of these low floor 
you know, Blaine Gabbard, you know, just type of like random Jake Luton guys off the scrap heap. Like he definitely has an arm. He could throw some picks in there with you as well. But yeah, I don't know. It's this is a dicey one. I my gut tells me right away that I could be happy playing him in cash games. Yeah, I mean, it's funny that the total is still pretty far up there. It says a lot about what the Saints have yeah. in terms of as, as a team and just the weapons and just overall, you know, what maybe Vegas sees as not all that big of a downgrade from Winston. There should be for Breeze down to Winston. This one's going to be close. I, you know, always with these situations, I'm very hesitant to go. I'm not going to give him Breeze's, you know, opportunity, the same exact opportunity. Clearly, he has a, you know, you know, a less, a lesser projection when it comes to efficiency. So that part is, um, that part's, you know, already set. But the part where Breeze had been averaging X amount of passes and we just can't really dial them in the same for Jameis, I, I just don't know. And I'll tell you right now, one thing with our system is we do not, we don't do it completely, but just as a sanity check model to see where our touchdown expectation is for the team as compared to Vegas. And we're way low on, 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 on the Saints right now. And it's because of Jameis, right? Like mm-hmm. it's because we haven't given him maybe what the full opportunity should be. And that is making me thinking, has me thinking like, okay, I, I'd be hesitant to play the pass catchers, but huh. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, I probably can't do it. I don't know. That, I don't have the intestinal fortitude. I don't think to stare down no. a first a first game Jameis. I don't know. And I, and I was teams, team, It's cheap on DraftKings. Uh, who are we considering in cash? The cheap guy. On him or Alex cash? Smith? I'll, I'll tell you that. Who, him or Alex Smith? Yeah. Uh, Alex Smith has his own kind of sneaky little upside. <laughs> I'd say Jameis. I, I think. Wow. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. Oh my gosh! I can't believe it. I'm gonna like have to. Uh, <laughs> you okay, buddy? I didn't expect <laughs> you to have that kind of reaction. <laughs> I don't know. I'm uh, I'm having a moment here. So, um, yeah, this is interesting. I like I said, I don't want to. I'm not going. We can't go into the Camaro zone. Can't go to Michael Thomas, who that situation just hasn't really worked itself out this season. Um, I do find you know, look, and we're still just speculating. I, I, this has not been, as far as I know, at least. I don't think this has been officially announced that he's going to be the starter. I'm just assuming that's going to be the case. I, I cannot imagine they decide to run Taysom Hill out there as the starter. We'll have to wait and see. What about the Atlanta side? Uh, this is you know decent amount of points here. Maybe we get some Jameis picks in, in the mix as well. This game has I had it in front of me. Uh, this game's total right now started at fifty one. It's at fifty. Uh, it does look like Calvin Ridley may not play again this week. Anything that you like to see uh, or anything that you like on the Atlanta side? Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be upside in the passing game if you happen to guess right here. Uh, Julio still cheap compared to what we know is definitive wide receiver one upside it hasn't all come together recently but you know he's got a 30 fantasy point game in october right so at 8100 to get a to get the guy who could have the highest overall total on the day at wide receiver or you know someone who's a top five favorite to do that at a price that's like say what is it 1400 less than Devonte adams who's the highest priced guy I, yeah i think you can definitely consider him and but both of these teams actually i think Kind of some of the down ballot options present interesting upside too. You know, Emmanuel Sanders or Russell Gage. Any of these guys could wind up having quite a big day if they're the ones that happen to get the touchdowns. But, um, but yeah, like for cash games for Atlanta, I think it's basically Hayden Hurst, and I don't see myself playing the rest of these in cash. Uh, in terms of Julio, too, he's probably not going to draw Marshawn Lattimore's shadow coverage. Maybe he sees a little bit more Lattimore. Uh, that's a good thing. Lattimore has been, again— yeah, He's been bad this year. 
And last year, too. Uh, over two years, he's been one of the worst-rated co- cover corners in football. I think I saw a stat recently that said he had been giving up a near-perfect passer rating to when his guy had been targeted. So um, I know we're you know a few seasons removed from this guy sort of jumping out of the box and being a great cornerback, but I, it does seem like that might have been a flash in the pan. Like It's, it's year over year with his rating uh, being pretty low in terms of overall coverage. Okay, Washington hosts the Bengals. We mentioned Alex Smith as a cash game option yesterday if you want to get cheap and weird on DraftKings. I still don't mind it. Uh, we, we talked a lot about J.D. McKissick. I don't think we would need to rehash that whole situation. We, and we did mention Terry McLaurin a little bit because uh, Smith did try to target him, though not downfield a ton. Um, I don't really want to go back all the way through the Washington things. We talked a lot about them yesterday. We didn't talk about the Bengals, though. What's the situation here with the Bengals? Gio Bernard had multiple weeks of playing for Mixon. Um, do you have a status update on Mixon right now? Yeah, Mixon mispracticed on Wednesday. Um, he's currently listed as day-to-day. We don't really know for sure. I mean, this guy hasn't practiced since he injured his foot in week six. So at this point, it's we just don't have any information. Uh, this is definitely a situation to check in with as we move towards the injury article later in the week. I do think for Bernard's case, like he is pretty darn cheap. And, you know, even in a, the worst possible matchup against the Steelers, he did manage 15 overall opportunities, turned it into just 47 yards. So a pretty bad game overall, obviously. But uh, the touchdown equity has been there in the prior two weeks. We know he can crest up towards ton, 20 opportunities in the right game script. And the thing with Cincinnati is they almost never play in the right game script because it's just such a bad team. But this week, they're in a pick here against Washington, right? So presumably, they can try to play a more balanced game than just giving the ball to Burrow and hoping he survives. So I do like Bernard if Mixon winds up sitting. And actually, I think he should be in that conversation for cash game plays if Mixon sits as well. Yeah, I think I could see it. I still probably like Balazs a little bit better uh, just because of the matchup. We'll m- mention him later. I still probably like McKissick just because the sort of weird role that he has. But I still yeah, th- find I think that's probably of- fair. There's a lot of good options here. I feel like there's a lot of safety in that. We've seen th- basically uh, the target share is basically T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd at this point with little running back stuff sprinkled in. The A.J. Green thing has just never really materialized. Uh, Boyd has... Boyd is averaging the most targets on the season for the team at 8.4, though the median targets for Higgins and Boyd are the same at 8. So probably like Boyd a little bit more. Do like both receivers here-ish in tournaments um, without saying I don't think they're either a cash play game plays. And yeah. I, by the way, we've multiple weeks run the Redskins out as, def- as a defense that you can play. They do get to the oh, yeah. quarterback. Uh, so that's something that you can keep an eye on. It's not, it's not a lock for us, but they for many weeks we're just coming underpriced. Because sometimes I think people, I think sometimes the price and, and just the ownership, it, it's like easy to associate the offense with the defense at times. And that makes sense because the defense is the Yeah, same just the way. overall team. Like normally you don't have good defenses on just bad teams, right? Right, right, So, right. yeah, I, I th- I'm, I'm totally with you there. I think of the professional football team or whatever they're called as kind of like a baby Steelers in a way, right? Like they get to the quarterback, they can pick the ball off. They're obviously not as good, but in terms of big playability – and kind of giving you that high floor with the sacks. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all about it. And, you know, Burrow, I think he's taken 32 sacks this season. Yeah. Which, if you just combined in aggregate all the teams facing against Burrow, that would be the second most in the league, right? So that's, that's a pretty bullish sign for the Washington defense here. Uh, as for the Higgins-Boyd question, I think I'm on Team Higgins here. I think Boyd potentially, you know, the pedigrees are a little bit more. The floor might be a little bit higher, but... Higgins seems like a guy on the rise, and on a per-catch basis, like in the old, not all targets are created equally. Yeah. And a per-catch basis, he's a lot more explosive than Boyd is. So 
Uh, I think I'd prefer him if you're just picking between the two. Yeah, I'm glad you said that, actually, because we have them at right around the same opportunity, but Higgins has a better projection, right? So, like, yeah. that just speaks to what to you me. were saying. Yeah, like, it's just, it's just that you can get the same amount of targets, but, um, yeah, you said it pretty well that they're just not all creative. It's because I'm so smart, dude. Yeah, dude, you're insanely smart. Let's, let's hear your smart <laughs> ideas on the next game, which is the Steelers and Jazz. Yeah, so my favorite Steelers, team. <laughs> the Steelers, yeah, back in the day when we used to have favorite teams. Steelers <laughs> are 10.5-point favorites. We talked at length yesterday about the wide receiver situation and how it's almost like the Steelers can support three cash game wide receivers, which I've never in the history of doing this podcast or having this business have ever even considered. It's, sometimes it's even a stretch to think about having two guys. Oh, yeah. And this team just throws a lot. Roethlisberger has shown the ability to really spread it out and not really hone because he's got just three very good options here. And Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju Smith-Schuster. But uh, so if you want to go get our thoughts on that one, go back and listen to yesterday's podcast. It's very close to having all three of these guys in cash game or in cash game on Fanduel. Cash games on Fanduel. I'm all over the place today. Uh, I don't think we end up doing it, but it's just I can't even believe we're in a situation where I'm looking at it. Any other you know thoughts to put on to that, or did we kind of cover it enough yesterday? Yeah, I think we touched on the Steelers passing game pretty sufficiently yesterday. Um, this isn't a team where, by the way, you're going to want to go with just raw fantasy point averages like Chase Claypool is the highest of the group but a, a lot of that production was you know kind of shuffled into weeks where the other one or both of the other guys were injured so uh, don't get carried away there I do have a funny Steelers story though you reminded me about how I used to be a Steelers fan yeah so my brother Chris and I growing up were like diehard Steelers fans you know terrible towels jerseys maybe face paint a time or two just like super super into it and my parents were just like never football fans really and you know, we, we would always trade texts. And then basically around the time that we launched this business, my sports fandom just began to die out. Like when you just have to think about sports for four to six hours a day, it just gets to be a lot. <laughs> so you start for hobbies, you tend to look elsewhere. But um, I'm walking. I walk up to my dad every morning. And on Monday, you know, Steelers had gone to 9-0. and And my dad's like, Steelers, this could be a historic season, something like that. I was like, I don't know. I think the Steelers are like they're fine. Like I don't, they're not going to like go undefeated. They could win. They could not. But like, and then I just saw like all the air go out of him. Like he was oh, just like so happy yeah. to bring this like sports thing to me. <laughs> and he's like, oh, "You don't think so?" I was like, "I don't know. Maybe they have like a one in five shot to win the Super Bowl." Something was just like, you're, you're like, like, I don't know, like Juju and Cash. Maybe I don't know what else are we gonna. <laughs> what else is there to talk about? I don't just like the part where you're like supposed to be irrationally excited about the historic season as a fan of a team like this would be so fun right now for me 10 years ago yeah. to have Pittsburgh at 9-0 and and like I would have been able to tell myself at the time too that you know squeaking by the Giants was more a sign of their toughness mental toughness than being a flawed team and stuff like that but you know uh, it's funny I just real quick we're off the rails here but I have a similar story because I was visiting my dad um last but people Sunday. like people like the light stuff they don't yeah, they don't need it all all analysis go ahead I was oh, visiting my dad last Sunday my dad is actually still very much in the fandom zone when it comes to the Giants I, I grew up a huge Giants fan and sure. same with you, the trajectory kind of changed around when we had this business. And I you know, don't even really root that much for them now. But um, but he was I was watching with him and it was like the opposite thing where he's just going absolutely wild. This Giants team, which is awful. Right. Like they're just they're one of the worst teams of football. And <laughs> sure. they're playing the Steelers. Uh, they're playing the Eagles last week. And he's just losing it, like as they're winning, like you know, Wayne Gallman in the end zone. It's just like they're in the Super Bowl, and I was well, like, he's like, Man. "We're gonna be, we're gonna be taking this division." That's what he's thinking. Yeah, three well, and just, seven. We got just the opposite. I, and, I, and I fell back because I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't mirror the excitement because, like in the old days, again, like would have been like, you know, it's Sunday, the Giants are on. Let's get this thing. We'll have you know, we'll sit here and watch the game together. And I was just like, 
Is the red zone change? Like, what's, what, can we get the red zone back on here? Like, uh, what's oh, the yeah. deal? <laughs> I was like, we're gonna watch the right, whole imagine, Giants. Imagine watching one game. <laughs> we're gonna watch the whole Giants game here. Like, I mean, I'm good for a touchdown or two. All right, let's keep moving. So, anyway, Steelers. Uh, those are our Steelers thoughts. I think the Steelers defense is actually being a weirdly tough fade, only because they're, yeah. uh, only because they're so good and Jacksonville's so bad, and we never want to lock in defenses at. The you expense. can kind of afford it though this week too, though, because you got cheap running backs, you got the Steelers cheap wide receivers, uh, the Steelers defense against Jake Luton. And the Steelers' price hasn't really gone up either, and people have pushed the envelope on ownership there. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm with you there. I think it's definitely interesting. Uh, okay, Patriots go and play the Texans. This game started at 47, is now up to 49. So uh, came up pretty equally on both – or came up actually uh, totally equally on both sides. We saw the uh, Patriots last week really lean into the run with Damian Harris, and it worked. Uh, I don't, you know, they have, as they kind of just increasingly don't trust Cam to throw the ball downfield with their, you know, both with his arm and with just the weapons that they have. Uh, where do we, where do we land on Harris? 22 rushes against last week against a, uh, I mean, Cam did get out and run 11 times. So it wasn't all effective. He only threw 17 times. So the weather got really, really weird there against yeah. a Houston team that as I check in on this is, I mean, they're 28th overall in DVOA and 32nd against the rush. Where do we land on a Damian Harris move here? Or are we just like, hey, this is a Patriots running back and we've seen this story before? I don't know. I, I think Harris is a guy I could absolutely consider. And I, honestly, it's not the Patriots thing that gives me pause. Like, I think they've shown enough now. And and just the eyeball test passes this as well. This is a guy who hasn't gone below five yards to carry in four games. And the other options are like the corpse of Sony Michelle, you know, Rex Burkhead, who could basically only catch the ball, uh, James White, same story. So... I think when it comes to Harris, the only fly in the ointment for me is actually that he just doesn't catch any balls out of the backfield. He really is a two-down back, and so he will be a little bit game script dependent. He only has one touchdown across the, I don't know, almost 100 carries so far this season. So there's definitely some cause for concern, and I think maybe you lean into more balanced backs here. But especially for big tournaments, you can expect really big ownership. And I don't know, man. Like If you compare him to someone like Kalen Balaj, are we... Sure, it's Balazs, given that he seems to have more competition than Harris does. Oh, man, I don't know. I like okay. So the the reasons I can get I, the reason I can talk myself out of Harris is that the down and close stuff will probably still go Cam's way because it's easier, right? Yeah. Like, so like he's just gonna you know when rather than hand the ball off when you're down there, Cam's just a monster. So we just know he still has the size to get in. And if you're down within like that one to two yard line, are we confident that Harris is like always going to be? the first option, and then we see what happens. I'm not. And so the touchdown equity net might never really totally iron itself out just because Cam exists. And I, I think at yeah, that point, true. that plus the no catches means that I'm for it from like an upside thing. But even hitting that upside, it's got to get multiple touchdowns. The yards just, you know, the the, the PPR, even in half PPR, that, that stuff matters, right? Like it just, if you just know it's never going to happen, I don't know. He's a good play. I just, I, I would still prefer Balazs though, I think. Uh, just because uh, I think the other things sort of work out in his favor. And look, this is a great matchup and I see no reason to not try to do it, especially if they're like, okay, we're just going to run the ball all the time now. And this is Houston's biggest weakness. So uh, yeah. I like the play and I just don't know if there's tremendous upside on it. Can't do any of the receivers. So I think we're good there. Uh, what about Houston? We, we briefly about Brandon Cooks. I, this Duke Johnson, still no David Johnson. They, they wanted to give them ball a decent amount last week with the weather. I, I, against, Houston, against New Orleans, I just don't really see it. I'm becoming increasingly dis- – believe me, we've been on the Houston train longer than anybody else has, and most people just got completely off the, off the cart at this point. But uh, we kind of did st- stick around. And I think even for me now, it's 
it's just become too much. And, and I understand that last week had weird weather. Yeah, I still really like Cooks. I think he's an excellent play. I think he's a great value. I think he's one of the few guys in the league at this price point that we can really pencil in for A-plus targets a game. The fact that he got the targets in that windy game against Cleveland and was still at least efficient, if not effective, on those targets uh, makes me feel very encouraged. I think he's a $7,000 receiver by the time the season's over. So I'm I'm definitely happy to play Cooks. I think he's a cash game play, a big tournament play as well. I just don't. I don't see a strong case against playing him, to be honest. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. It just feels weird. I, it's mostly just a feeling thing. I think all the, I think all of our inputs are correct. I think everything else along those lines, um, I can't really, you know, poke a hole in any of it. I will say that our system. Well, part of the problem has been that Wolf Fuller's been getting all the touchdowns, which you know shifts. And maybe, maybe there's something systemic about that. Wolf Fuller is a, you know, kind of bigger, more conventional red zone threat. There, um, he had a touchdown in every single game for six weeks <laughs> leading up to last week's wind game against Cleveland so I think you know but even if if Fuller is supposed to get 60% of the touchdowns and Cook's only 40% between the two I think Cook's is still undervalued so yeah I I think I agree with all that Uh, I will say that our system does like Houston here getting two and a half um I I liked Houston with plus three last week and kind of got a miracle out, out of that by Nick Chubb stepping out of the end zone so it's been pretty bullish on Houston all season long. I'm just distrustful of – it's weird because the, the numbers are never going to play this out, but I'm always just distrustful of increasing lack of – or decreasing motivation for a team as the season wears on, and that's something that sometimes the numbers are going to have a hard time sussing out because their schedule at the beginning was really hard, and so their record looks probably a little worse than they are as a team. But, like, between all the turnover and all this other stuff, I, it's like the numbers are not going to suss out. I don't think that, like – that everyone can kind of see the writing on the wall. All right, Tennessee goes in and plays Baltimore. Baltimore, six-and-a-half-point favorites. We talked about Lamar Jackson at length yesterday as a cash game play. Still very much on that. The over-under here is 49. Uh, I've got to tell you right now, I bet I already bet Tennessee plus six-and-a-half and Tennessee money line at plus 240. I, like, <clears throat> I just don't understand exactly why Baltimore would get so many points here. Uh, but what are your thoughts here? Anything else to see besides Jackson? And then we can talk, uh, talk a little bit about Tennessee if we see there, if there's anything there. Yeah, I talked about Mark Andrews as a potential either pairing with Jackson for big tournaments. Uh, that has been a really high ceiling pairing so far this season uh, with Andrews having those two two touchdown games. Um, I think outside of that, you're just basically throwing darts. Um, yeah, I, I don't see a path to play like Marquise Brown or <laughs> any of these guys. So uh, outside of that, and then we have a running back situation where you could have three guys get like seven carries each and stuff. Like it's just a... A total mess. So no, it's it's Jackson or bust. I think. Yeah, and we talked about him as a high floor play. Uh, so I think we're still there. Uh, you know, Derrick Henry coming in here against a very good Baltimore defense that um, is, and as an underdog, I'm not sure this is a direction I really want to no. go, especially in terms of the pace. Not really sure I'm seeing it, at least from uh, a cash game perspective, from the uh, the wide receiver core either. You know, AJ Brown's targets kind of had come and gone. He he dropped a monster huge downfield ball last week that was catchable and should have been a touchdown. Kind of swung that weirdly swung that game against Indy. But Corey Davis still led the team in targets with six. John who had six as well. They have thrown the ball a lot, but I'm not sure I want to walk it into this Baltimore defense. Yeah, I don't see any path that I'm gonna like unless you're putting in like five thousand GPP lineups. I don't see where you get to like. Ooh, I'm going to have Tannehill, my Tannehill-Brown lineups, my Tannehill-Davis lineups, and my Tannehill-Johnny lineups. Like, I don't, I don't think that's where you're going this week. Yeah, Baltimore right now is sixth overall in DVOA. 
uh, and excellent against the rush. That a lot of that comes because they're third against the rush. So if you want to make a case for it, they're slightly worse against the pass, but they're tenth there too. So this is just uh, a very a very good defense. And like I said, I like I like Tennessee plus the points. Uh, Detroit goes in and plays Carolina. This game has a 49 over under with a minus one on the Panther side. I think we're still waiting on Teddy Bridgewater news, but this line makes me think that he's going to play. So um, that's just me guessing about the line. I, I don't have any idea. I don't know if there's any recent Teddy Bridgewater stuff. I, it was a knee issue, but it looks like it's not going to take him out. And we already know Christian McCaffrey is not going to play in this game. Yeah, I think when it comes to Bridgewater, I guess he has an impact on some of the other pass catching options here, but I don't know. Like I'm not ex- particularly excited about any of them anyways. Uh, I maintain that Robbie Anderson still should just be a good big tournament option just because we know he's got double digit. He got four double digit targets games this season, right? And hasn't punched any into the end zone, but that's not been like something that's been problematic for him his entire career. So I'm, I'm definitely still not averse to just sticking him in there. And I think he'll get super low ownership and it's a really good price. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a Robbie Anderson truther or something at this point. We're just like a Carolina wide receiver truther. It's starting to get embarrassing. True. I know. We played DJ Moore all last season, too. I get it. But it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. And Curtis Samuel's the one guy that we just, like, will never look at. And he's got the, like, you know, all these, or I guess, what was it? The one, two touchdown game? Oh, yeah, last game was bad. But then three straight games of so 14-plus fantasy points, rushing touchdowns and stuff. What a, what a team. They should really relegate this team out of the NFL so we can stop trying to force these guys in cash games. Um, and then on the Detroit side, we, I, you know, I tweeted about this going into last week uh, that I was just like, I just was still flabbergasted that Detroit just couldn't find a reason to start DeAndre Swift. I tweeted this like Friday or Saturday as we were just doing research. And then they came out right before game time, like 1245 or something like that, and announced that he was going to become the starter. A little too late for us to pivot into cash games. Um, although... I kind of like did. I didn't want to, but we it was definitely a guy. Yeah. It, it was definitely a guy we discussed as like, hey, if this guy ever gets the start, like this is this kind of go time. This guy's really good, and he just showed it last week, right? He touched the ball twenty one times. The yards per carry sixteen carries, eighty one yards. He gets five carries. Excuse me, five catches on five targets for sixty eight yards and a touchdown. Uh, yeah. and, and and the big news here. Finally, I cannot believe it took to week 10 for this to happen. He had 40. Uh, it's, it's, it's actually just malpractice that this didn't happen sooner. Like, it's such an indictment. Like, you see the guy every day in practice. Like, <laughs> we get to see him one time a week on the field when, like, you just choose, like, Matt Trisha, choose to put him in the game. You see him every effing day. How is it? It's just, just that, one like, of those things, like, from the movies or something or, like, Friday Night Lights where, like, no, nah, rookies got to earn their stripes. You know, is it like that thing? It's I a fireable offense. I agree. When it yeah. took you 10 weeks and you see him every day in practice. To be yeah. like, you know what? I think DeAndre is better than this. The corpse of Adrian Peterson. And finally, they've run fifty nine plays. Swift plays on forty three of them. Adrian Peterson, thank God, plays on seven. Right? Like it's I, I, it's so frustrating. Anyway, the <laughs> fact that it very much looks like I'm way too upset about it. The fact that it looks like he is very much now the every down back, like bell cow guy. Not a ton of implied points here, but we have a pretty good projection for him. Where do we land with DeAndre Swift in this group? Or is it just like, is he priced out and the matchup's not perfect? Because this is a guy, I for his price last week, I was almost talking myself into playing him when I didn't even think he was starting. Right, yeah, it's too bad the price has gone up. But I still think he's potentially explosive enough to justify it. I just don't know that it's the week where, like I'll certainly prefer him to like the Miles Sanders types of the world that are a little bit more expensive. And for my money, basically the same guy. It's not clear that we should be playing him over still two underpriced commodities like Balazs and McKissick, right? Like fundamentally, 
he's probably if they were all the same price, I think I would play Swift pretty swiftly. Oh, there you okay. go. Just wait, waiting for your response. <laughs> I wish um, I had the rim shot here. I wish I had the rim shot here. I, I wish I knew how to do. Uh, knew how to do. Um, I'm sure you could figure that out, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I think at, at the advanced price point, I don't know if he's like eleven hundred dollars better play than Balage, for instance. Tell you right now, if Dalvin Cook wasn't on the slate, we would be playing Swift, yeah, we'll take Walsh, and McKissick in, in cash. Uh, it's just, it's really just the Dalvin Cook thing because it's like at some point you just have you run out of yeah. spots to play these guys. Swift is a great, great. Well, there's big a world where we could play Swift, Balage, and McKissick and play like Devontae Adams. I mean, well, that's the thing. That? That's what I mean. Like, I'm not sure I want to pivot off Cook at that point just because okay. the matchup is so good. But this is what I mean about. Um, yeah, this is just what I mean about how it just gets a little weird. I will say, if you're playing these like one o'clock slates, that's where you're going. You're going DeAndre Swift in the early slates because Cook is until the um, the afternoon four o'clock. So if you're doing the early slates on both sites, definitely get your exposure to Swift there in cash games. Uh, and that's why I do suggest playing multiple sites and multiple um, just like slates, like when in terms of timing, because sometimes if you can't talk yourself into a guy, you can find a reason to get exposure there and still probably not have it be like overwhelming chalk. So love DeAndre Swift. Like I said, loved him going into last week before the news uh, and really like him here. What about the pass catchers? Uh, you know, Marvin Jones was a guy that we played the week before. He randomly caught a touchdown, uh, but that kind of got lucky there. And then, of course, the week later is when he gets his 10 targets. Uh, eight catches with 96 yards and a touchdown. And I just, I wish we had just created a spreadsheet for the times this has happened over the years that we've ever done this. Specifically but, um, with Marvin Jones, yeah. I mean, Marvin Jones is actually a pretty big culprit when it comes to it. Uh, anything you like here in the passing game? Yeah, you can't play these guys in cash, I don't think. Um, Marvin Jones, he can give you a 10-target game, but he can also give you a four-target game in exactly the same environment. It's reassuring that he's getting in the end zone with some regularity. Uh, the yards per catch are still quite good. And this just isn't... Like, if you had to take him heads up versus Juju Smith-Schuster, like, you'd play Juju, right? Isn't that pretty easy? I mean, all those Steelers guys... If you're just looking at recent production, because that's all you can do with Jones anyway, right? Because you're basically saying he gets this increase because Galladay's out. You'll just take the Steelers guys on basically every metric. Metric, matchup, quarterback play, <laughs> recent opportunity. Like, you just can't play him. Yeah, it just doesn't fit. I do like Detroit getting the points here. Um, probably all the way up to a pick em. Eh, maybe not. Maybe not a pick em. Um, But, like, any, any points you can get on the Detroit side, uh, I'm basically a fan of that. Uh, and, and, like, even, and that's even at Bridgewater were to play. Okay, uh, I guess, yeah, we're getting into the 4 o'clock games now. Miami goes in and plays Denver. Miami playing with a basically a different offense than they started the season with. They have Tua that is behind, is behind center now, as we know. And then they have Salvan Ahmed, who's now the new running back, who's been pretty effective. And, you know, hashtag NFL when it comes to just a whole new group of guys being out there 11 weeks into the season on a good team. Cause it's just like, there's no other sport in the world where this would happen, but here we are. Uh, Ahmed carried the ball 21 times last week and he played 44 of the 58 offensive snaps. Where do we land with either of these guys in a matchup against Denver? Yeah, I think Ahmed is still a little bit unproven for me. Again, we're, if we're just comparing apples to apples with him and the other running backs at the similar price points, then I don't think he's the safest of that group. Right. I mean, we have one game of him getting a lot of carries. He's still got no targets in the passing game. He's an interesting pickup for your season-long leagues. Like, I think you actually picked him up, and that's, that's where we were looking. I did. Started him last yeah, week. You're, that was a brilliant I, play. I, now, I dropped Kalen, I dropped Kalen Balazs, so uh, you know, in with a good <laughs> – it didn't yeah. all work out. But, uh, yeah. but I think this is an important like case study here because I think a lot of people look at a week like this, and they start to feel overwhelmed, right? They're like, well, geez. This happens in the NBA, too, when you just have too many punts. We're like, geez, I don't know. Is it Ahmed? Is it McKissick? I think Ahmed, 
I think it's close but clear that he's the worst of that group that we've discussed so far. I think he will get 10% plus ownership in cash games or something like that, mostly from people who don't really understand where we, where safety comes from, right? Uh, and one week of getting a good amount of carries in a game where the game script was perfect for running backs does not lead me down wanting to jam him. I think it'd be a lot more interesting if he would say the only punt play at this price point, right? And like he was the guy that right. enabled you to play Cook, but there were just no other sub $6,000 running backs. Since that's not the case, he's definitely not in my cash game consideration. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And with the pass catching stuff, it just hasn't been there under Tua. They're not throwing the ball a ton uh, so far. And so I just don't think you can, you can't translate even any of the numbers or really all that much of the numbers that came through when they had Fitzpatrick here under center to Tua in terms of the passing game. It doesn't seem like that's going to be a plan. He ran the ball six times, but he was for negative one yard. So I don't know. It's, it, I don't know. I'm going to call him a game manager at this point, but this, the offense is running just differently. And then Denver, I don't, I don't like, I like Miami's defense. I can't stand Denver. I just like nothing about it. I'm I, look, KJ Hamler's been seeing some targets. We talked about, I mentioned him yesterday. Maybe you like that as a cheap guy on DraftKings. Uh, other than that, uh, Locke looks like a mess. I don't know. Never mind. I'm not even, we don't even discuss it. You know, I'm not even going to ask your opinion on Denver because we're moving on. Jets go in and play the Chargers. Chargers start at nine and a half now, eight and a half point favorites here at home against the Woeful Jets. We talked about Justin Herbert as being a cash game play. I, we just go back and listen to our th- thoughts yesterday on that one. Talked about Kalen Balazs. We've already mentioned him like four times on this podcast and talked about him at length yesterday. So uh, I don't think we need to revisit that. What about Keenan Allen, though? Uh, Keenan yeah. Allen, you know, still averaging meet, uh, average target share, or excuse me, average per game targets right now, 10.33 on the season, 11 median targets. So uh, many. Uh, yeah, against the Jets team that stinks. And I don't know. It's like we talked about Deontay. They stick against the pass, too. Oh, my God. And we talked about Devontae Adams as being sort of in a class of his own in terms of safety when it comes to receiver. I'm not putting Allen in that group, but he's definitely the next step down, right? We would agree on that one, like in the, in the next tier down of guys that you can just feel pretty good about the targets week in and week out. I'd say barely a step down, too. I mean, prior to last week, he was on 11, 12, and 13 targets in games he was healthy. And actually, then he had two in the New Orleans game, but he left that one early. Uh, with back spasms, and then 11, 19, and 10, right? So he's just going to get double-digit targets in normal game scripts. Now, last week definitely is a bad spot on his resume, for sure, but Miami's defense was just doing all sorts of, I don't know if you watched the game closely or if you saw highlights or what, but like the way they were moving before pre-snap and stuff like that, Herbert just looked absolutely horrified by what he was staring down. So I don't know that the Jets are going to be able to replicate anything like that. I think Herbert's going to be locked back in with him. I, I'm picturing definitely 10-plus targets again and another great week. And Allen's a guy, just week in, week out, I would really like to play him. I don't know if it winds up fitting, especially if we have to pay for Cook and so on, but he's a guy I would be more than happy to see in cash games. Yeah, I don't think he sees much ownership because you have these other guys. Like it's, it's, you can, yeah. You'd rather talk yourself into Devontae Adams. I get it. He's better projected. You'd rather talk yourself into Cook. I get it. It does make me feel with especially if Balazs is a high-owned guy, that Allen is a really good leverage play here because if the ownership's just going to go to those guys that we just mentioned because of the game script and all this other stuff, I do see a scenario where Keenan Allen is under-owned. He's been basically under-owned this whole season. I feel like we've played him probably more than almost anybody else, uh, you know, just in terms of overall cash games. The price has finally come up, so it's not like you're getting him at any kind of discount. I do think, though, 
based on how some of the other things are shaking out, that Allen makes an excellent, excellent tournament play this week, especially if Balazs, yeah. especially if Balazs has high ownership, right? Like, and, and, and that's just how, and they kind of just like get scripted away from that a little bit. I, yeah, this, I really, really like Keenan Allen here. And, and like yeah. I said, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a world where you can stack the three guys in cash and feel pretty good about it. And I probably just won't get there because of the price, but I think that's uh, not an insane play. Uh, to consider that. Uh, then the Jets, or this, the Jets, I don't know. You can play the Chargers defense. Unplayable. They're going to play Flacco again. Uh, what I, I, any thoughts here? I hate to like dismiss all, so many of these teams. The, the NFL is such a haves and have not league. The bottom of this league is so bad. But um, anything to see on the other. Michael Preen is going to get the all the snaps here. It looks like they're going to move away from Frank Gore. You know, get out your you know bells and whistles about getting excited about that. Is there anything <laughs> else to, anything else to see on the Jets? Yeah, Jameson Crowder still a nice, deep, big tournament play. Uh, only two targets against New England last game, but was double-digit targets in every other game prior to that. So, you know, in terms of like a super broke, homeless man's Keenan Allen, I think you could <laughs> compare him there. And in the unlikely event that the Jets do get in the red zone, he has had a good percentage of their red zone targets this year, too, with somehow amassing three passing touchdowns on a team that cannot pass the ball. So, yeah, he's a guy. I mean, you're not going to play him in cash, obviously, but... If you just want someone who's going to have two percent ownership, you can, you can think about him. Oh, okay. Well, that's a uh, damning damning with fame praise. Okay, the Packers go in and play the Colts. This game started at minus one for the Colts and is now up to minus two and a half. The line moved from forty nine to fifty one, basically all in favor of Indy. They're coming off a week where we saw you know good luck taking your Indiana or Indiana. I do that every time Indianapolis. Uh, running back dartboard out and just throwing something at it and trying to figure out who oh, yeah. the guy's going to be because last week was Naheem Himes that looked like the second coming of Adrian Peterson uh, in the backfield. 12 carries for 70 yards, got another six targets. Jordan Wilkins, uh, eight carries, and then Jonathan Taylor had seven carries. The snap count yeah. went 39, 14, 17. I don't trust it at all. Uh, I just want to no say way. that we've been snake bit on the trying to figure out the indie running back situation. Frankly, the running back situation for both these teams. Aaron Jones was like the most I'm putting it in quotes because we didn't do it and play it we played him in cash but like just the most predictable he's just not going to get every carry situation where you just dream on it and it just doesn't happen I don't know I'm just frustrated with both the running back situations from these teams yeah for sure I think the indie one goes without saying like not playable really in any format whatsoever and the Jones one I think it's a it's a recurring cautionary tale where I think this example is the exact specific one that's in our NFL ebook where it's like it doesn't sound like that much when a guy's getting like eight carries or whatever, right? But there's two things that can happen when we're going into a game knowing that the second option is going to get six plus carries. Sometimes coaches will do the hot hand thing, right? It's like, you know, Jamal Williams gets a 20-yard carry and now instead of taking him out, he gets three more carries than you than usual, right? And that starts to really add up. I mean, particularly on last week's FanDuel price where Jones was at 8,800. Uh, but even at 8,200, I just don't know what you'd be doing trying to try him out there in a certainly not in cash games and even in big tournaments i honestly think the upside is looking pretty limited uh, but one guy from the packers side i wanted to get your feelings on was uh, marquez valdez scantling so yeah. he goes from supposedly this insanely windy game right he catches four balls on six targets for 149 yards and a touchdown he's a guy who had two touchdowns the prior week um, we know he can score touchdowns we know he can catch long receptions or do you think anyone's going to talk themselves into scantling for cash games? I hope they so, do, and we can yeah, just feel free fading it because it's the joke. I watched a lot of that game. The joke on him, and it's always been, has always been, is Valdez Scantling is awesome running in a straight line, and anything else is a problem. 
And that's just like mm-hmm. what it is. And those are the two touchdowns he caught last week. We're just like straight line bombs and everything in between is just a total mess. And that just has that played itself out in a, you know, you know, a peak game last week. And is most times going to just play itself out in a Valley game all the rest of the time. And so, right, right. and so, and the one other thing with um, about the Scantling, and this is not going to be a huge deal, but Alan Lazard is coming back this week. They said they're going to ease him in. And so what that means, who knows what that means in terms of overall target share, but it's just not going to help him. Right. So like, um, I, just in general, yeah, the, 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 this, this line looks pretty good. And this is definitely a situation where, uh, you know, you just, all you have to do is watch it and then just read other people's opinions. Like it was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is the, the tail on this guy. He's amazingly fast, but everything else is kind of a mess. And that's exactly how he worked out to like have an awesome, awesome game last week. Okay. Uh, final game here is Dallas goes in and play, plays the, uh, Vikings. Dallas is going to get Andy Dalton back. You know, get out the trumpets for that one. This game is a seven and a half point home favorite line for Minnesota. Uh, I, even with Dalton back, I mean, they, you know, it's, it's funny. Michael Gallup has had a decent amount of targets over the last couple weeks. He's just so cheap on, on DraftKings. He's thirty seven hundred for Michael Gallup. Like I, I get that the quarterback and the, everything's a mess there. That one actually does make you at least stop and think about it for a second. Um, I'm not saying we're going to do it, but it at least makes you pause. And then on the Viking side, I think Dalvin Cook's just chalk. Is there? Could you see a scenario where, not for not for cash? I think we just play Cook. But like a scenario where you pivot away from Cook in in a, in a GBPs and maybe go more of the passing route and just say, hey, maybe it's Cousins at Thielen, maybe it's Cousins at Jefferson, and we fade Cook in tournaments because that's how they get the scoring done. Yeah, Jefferson, I think is a great big tournament option. I mean, the guy's young, explosive, can get big target share, can do a lot with the targets thrown his way. Yeah, you just never know from week to week if he's going to be involved in the game plan unfortunately just because cook is so prolific and you know i don't know like part of me wants to be like well if the vikings are serious about cook they won't keep giving him 30 plus touches a game because they'll not want him to just like get hurt and become like a shell of a broken down car by the side of the road but they haven't shown that yet so for now i'm I'm going to assume that it's going to be cook but um yeah for big tournaments it's absolutely an interesting pivot Uh, on the dallas side i just can't get excited about any part of this offense mostly because like have you ever like you remember when we were teenagers and you'd go to someone's house it was like a rich kid and they would have like a really nice guitar and you'd be like you don't even play guitar you're like oh yeah i do and they know like two chords and you're like man why does this guy's dad buy him this nice guitar that's how i feel about the wide receivers on dallas where it's like they got like cooper cd lamb michael gallup it's like this just these beautiful you know les paul like vintage 1968 things and you just have Andy Dalton, who's just going to break it. You just want to leave it on the wall. So I just can't imagine even getting excited about the options in the passing game here, even for big tournaments, honestly, because I think the names are big enough that people will just get excited about them. You'll see ownership that outstrips the actual potential, given who's under center. So I, I'm not going to have Dallas as a, an inclusion in my in my big tournaments, I don't think. Buddy, not even going to try to top that analogy. You outdid yourself. You outdid yourself with that one. On that note, we are going to get out of here. DFSR.com is the site. I failed to mention at the beginning, and I should have, that this was our last week was our third week of finishing in the top 10 in the Fantasy Pros Accuracy Contest. For That's for wow. more of a season-long projection piece. So uh, three times in the top 10. I'm not sure if anyone else has finished that many times in the top 10. There's probably a couple uh, out there. So I'm feeling really good about that. It's always a nice little juju to get for the, for the DFSR crew uh, when that happens. Mm-hmm. So I think we finished fourth. Maybe it might be the third time in the top five, frankly. Um, so uh, you can go get access to the 
projections, dfsr.com slash deals will get you started. Uh, that's going to give you optimal lineups, FanDuel and DraftKings, NFL, uh, PGA, RSM Classics about the tee off. So you can get weekend golf in there. And then basketball, NBA is less than or just about a month away. And it's all covered on the one subscription package. So dfsr.com slash deals will get you started. Buddy, enjoy week 11 in football action for the NFL. Will do.